0: You're listening to KZOM, KZOM. only in public public Radio. that, uh, yeah. We're gonna talk with the mayor cause the mayor says he wants to have a chat. We're gonna talk with the mayor cause the mayor says he knows where it's at. mayor says he wants to have a chat we're gonna talk with the mayor because the mayor says he knows where it's at welcome to radio free oleander a weekly show showcasing. Dave, how's it going? I'm I'm doing well being here.
1: Hey, did you, you got that tape I sent you what happened yesterday, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, no, got the tape, got the tape, and... Uh, oh, my gosh, have you listened to it? Uh, Yeah, I, I listened to it, bits and pieces, but yeah, no, it, it
1: sounds... It was this huge thing with, like, teeth and eyes, and it was this, yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, it's, uh, that's a... Not quite a plant, but it looks like a plant.
1: Yeah. No, you know, it, it, yeah, it's what it has
0: like, like,
1: it looks like this giant blackberry bush with yeah. mouths with sharp teeth and eyes. You know, I I don't know what to call it, so so I call it the the shrub goth. Yeah, like like a shrub goth, but it's a shrub.
0: Yeah, that's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, I probably shouldn't mock the things that try to eat me. No, no, no. It's a good thing that you have. Um, Laser point uh, defense system. Laser systems. point defense system on a goat farm? Well,
1: yeah, it was it was left over by the previous owners.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah no, no. I, uh, finding out that Oleander has quite a history with large lasers. <laughs> so. That's uh, More more than most
1: urban Oregon towns, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, Portland doesn't even have this many. I mean, like, there's that one skyscraper that, you know, looks like the way it does because it was a giant laser in the 1940s. But we're not going to go into that stuff right now. Um, Hmm. But, yeah, no, no. Um, Like, at one point in time, there was a supervillain who was the mayor of Oleander who constructed large laser guns. Yeah, so, so this
1: was actually... Probably left over by the uh, the Illuminati, but that that's not. But yeah, you're talking about um, he was by uh, he's called the Futurist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's we don't know his name. He he wore these like robot suits and uh, claim Well, he was kind of he, I don't know. I think he was like this this Lex Luthor dude. Okay. That he didn't really have powers, but he claimed you know time traveling and all this. Okay. So. So you, you've met the mayor, right? Uh, yes.
0: Yes. Okay. I've, I've met the real mayor. There there was a little bit of confusion oh. there. There was this guy who oh. was saying do, that he Do we
1: need to, to stop to here? Or do, you, do I need to maybe
0: move? They're rebuilding part of uh, Farmer Dave's uh, farmhouse after uh, it got blasted with the laser. Okay. So, yeah, they're rebuilding part of the house after it got blasted with the laser.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just its just parts got a little, little sense by the
0: laser. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this moment to, uh, to let everyone know they can check seven, out uh, my other podcast, <laughs> The Ballad of Johnny Smoothskin. Wherever you find podcasts, I'm oh, actually just on Apple Podcasts and Podbean right now, and uh, Patreon. Uh, Johnny Smoothskin. Just Google. Search Johnny Smooskin and you'll find it. All right, Dave. Dave's almost, almost
1: there. Almost into the bunker. Okay, opening up the doors. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, one of the couches there we go. got zapped by the late by a random laser shot. Uh-huh. So there, there, there. That in a bookshelf. Fortunately, the bookshelf was empty at the time, so no books were lost.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. That would that would, yes. that would be an absolute shame.
1: Yeah. Okay, we were talking about something, weren't we? We were talking about
0: mayors. You, you asked mayor. me if I'd met the uh, mayor, and I said yes. I have met the uh, the actual actual mayor, mayor mayor, mayor Dan. Dan
1: Dan, Dan yeah. Cooper. So Dan Cooper, Dan Cooper shows up, and I think it was Thanksgiving, uh, nineteen seventy-two. He yeah. comes in. He has this, you know, about. Two hundred thousand dollars. He's wearing this cheap brown suit. He's got a couple of used parachutes under his arm, and yeah. So he he becomes you know pretty much you know back in the seventies, two hundred thousand dollars in rural Oregon that could take you away. Oh, you know, yeah. He's like, he built you know some um, you know what we call now a Mac uh, a Mac mansion up in uh, Lynx Hill. Then um um he was asked to be. Uh, Mayor in uh, I think 19 it was 1986 I think and he's been the mayor ever since. The last last 20 years I think he's run pretty much unopposed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, um, uh, 1985 that was the year that um, Oleander had six uh, mayors in one year. They oh. all they all met terrible you know, demises and, but, uh,
0: according to a plaque in old town, uh, 1985 is also the year that Oleander got cable, cable television. Yes. It, yes. All 14 cable channels. I understand. <laughs> yeah, there's a plaque about it. There's a plaque about yes, it. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> that, that is true. That was, you know, that was the, the that we had, you know, um, six mayors and cable.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but I I, I love how kind of like backwards it, uh-huh, not, I, I, okay, I don't want to say backwards. I, I feel like we get so much grief for the stuff we say about local people in town um, who have more than enough money to sue us for libel for being like, you know what the Oleander family's done in the past? But, I mean, the, the Oleander family's very proud of all of their very kind of various things. Um, but, you know, um, oh, where was I going with anything?
1: Well, well interesting <laughs> fact, you know, that, that, that an Oleander by law and tradition can no longer be mayor of Oleander. Yeah? There will always be an Oleander uh, on city council. Okay. But but ever since, I think, is the... the oh, uh, 1940 uh, accords of Hostor and Yogoslav that um, you know that no longer can be after Abraham uh, Oleander they can never be a mayor of Oleander anymore.
0: Okay, all right, that's interesting. Those names yeah. sound familiar for uh-huh. some reason. Uh,
1: yeah, but um, yeah, so um, so there there is always an Oleander on the city council. But no longer can they be mayor.
0: Okay. All right.
1: And then you met, and I think I finally figured this out. You met William Lee, right? Yeah. Okay. So William Lee was mayor from... 19, somewhere in the 50s. You know, oh. I can go back to the Oleander Historical Society and look it up. But sometime in the 50s, he became
0: mayor. Okay. Uh,
1: and then he, so you you've seen those green clouds, right, coming out of Eldridge Town?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why everyone so, has to wear like hazmat suits down there.
1: Exactly. So he is the one that got obsessed with rats, and he started using you know DDT and all these different poisons, uh, dioxins. But, okay, you've you heard of Agent Orn in, in Vietnam, right? Yeah. So that was the chemical that they used to, to basically defoliate the jungle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the CIA made something even worse called Agent Ultraviolet. All right. So he mixed up DDT and dioxin and, and Agent Ultraviolet. Yeah. And, and that's why we have this internal chemical this big old chemical cloud coming out. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, it, so it's been there for me a couple of years. But in 1976, the federal government got involved. Okay. And so I don't know if you're aware of this, but in 1976, the EPA had a special forces unit. Okay. And, and so the Environmental Protection Agency basically surrounded the city of Oleander brought in yeah. you know tanks and stuff and they they basically disposed of of you know William Lee as mayor. They they d- deposed him and they kicked him out. Um, that's because um, they were led by one of the the greatest supervillains of the twentieth century. Who's that? Jamie Carter.
0: Editor's note. Dave and I do not actually dislike Jimmy Carter. We are both huge fans of Jimmy Carter and his work and his continuing work. This is just for jokes. Please, don't hate us. We don't hate Jimmy Carter. And don't hate us sure, for loving Jimmy Carter. Yeah, What's he, your problem? You know that dude? old
1: man is building houses and stuff?
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's him trying to get to heaven. 76, no. he was this like super villain. Um... Um, and so he appoints another villain to be the mayor of, of Oleander. Okay. And, and that's this guy called the Futurist. All right. And up till, um, uh, it's in the 80s, up, up, up until I think 85, he is basically the High Lord dictator. Uh, of Oleander. Yeah. And this is actually when Oleander has this growth place where he starts putting out advertisements in places like Ben and Malawa and Boring and Portland says, hey, you want a new life as a, in a modern society as a supervillain? Yeah. Come to Oleander and we'll build you houses and, you know, and, and you know, he built this big old green fumes that were coming out of the ground are going to give you mutant powers. You know, I okay. think maybe two people got mutant power. That was like, it wasn't really a common thing, but, sure. but so it was basically. The futurist ran Oleander up until the day he just disappeared. No one knows where he went. Uh, he claims to have been a, a time traveler. He claims to have a lot of powers, but. Uh, I, I think before we were interrupted with the rebuilding parts of my house that were destroyed with the laser, uh, I think I said that you know he's kind of like this Lex Luthor guy. He claimed to have powers, but I think he just had money and smarts and convinced everybody. You know, you never know. Maybe he had powers.
0: Okay, because yeah, no, I've seen plaques about uh, commemorating the futurists' laser cannons. Uh, hold on one sec. I gotta adjust my volume here for some reason. Check, check, check. Oh, yeah. There we go. For some... Yeah,
1: you know, that that happens quite often. Yeah. You talk about him, and then the electronics start acting up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. That's just another urban legend. Yeah. But, you know, if you – oh, I'm
0: sorry. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to tell you about uh, – there was a plaque that I saw about – there's plaques all over town. There's not very much in the way of statues, I guess, because Bigfoot does stuff to them, but – yeah. But there's, there's, there's,
1: yeah, Sasquatch don't like statues.
0: And, yeah, plaques apparently are fine because there's plaques, commemorative plaques everywhere. And yeah. one commemorative plaque that I saw was like to the greatest mayor of Oleander. Uh, it was from 1983, so I think the futurist actually put it up, and it was commemorating uh, the city of Oleander building the largest death ray on earth, which uh, – Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. –
1: um, yeah, it, uh, I I heard he didn't count the one in in China, so it was really the second largest. But okay. you know.
0: But it's it's like uh, you start to look at like how part of the civic center is built, and you're like, oh. It was to house a giant death ray at one point in time. It was built for other things, but at one point in time, the parts that were built on the the, the pillars that go up, I, I, I thought that was more like uh, like weird mystic stuff from like the late eighteen hundreds. But it's like, oh no, that's for the death ray. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Ray. But yeah. yeah.
1: Well, well, you know what? People who were alive and I, mean, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I was just a kid then. I live in California, but mm-hmm. you talk to people who were alive and living in Oleander at the time. And, and you know what they say about the Futurist?
0: Uh, that uh, he was the rival to the Bogwan.
1: Well, that and that he got the uh, pneumatic mail to run on time.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Everyone's very much very kind of pro-Futurist, which kind of makes me a little n- nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you got the you know you got the mail that sent the, the pneumatic tubes to run on time, so you know people were happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another plaque that I saw uh, from uh, Mayor Lee's period of time. It was uh, a, it was it was commemorating kind of like uh, a, it was a memorial plaque for some stuff that happened to a bunch of students from uh, what's it Bell Hall. Blossom Hall. Blossom Hall. Blossom Hall. I'm thinking Hall. It was Bell Hall for some reason. Anyway, uh, I, and, I think
1: Bell Hall is a dorm in Blossom
0: Hall. Okay, but uh, Bell Hall, I, I I then like checked this out. I was like, hey, what's what's going on with this? And the library's like, well, don't you know about this? This is a law, and it's like, apparently, you're not allowed to be a teen sleuth in Oleander or this area of Clackamas County due to some stuff that happened in the late uh, '60s <laughs> involving. Um, some teens from uh, Bell Hall at Blossom Hall, uh, Don Knotts, the futurist, and some laser cannons,
1: and a talking dog,
0: and a talking dog, and a van, and you know they're just like, yeah, no, we can't have that happen again. Don Knotts barely survived. It's like, you, you know, you didn't see Don Knotts for a while in the early '70s, and then you just saw him everywhere. Mm make it his comeback but anyway uh apparently uh you can't be a teen sleuth and there was a rash of uh, children missing in the early 80s everyone wanted to like you know you see a bright light in the sky maybe it's et no it it might be something else and yeah no they you just find remains and the mayors the mayors have really fought against this apparently it's a five thousand dollar fine to uh Go out there and try and find out what's glowing in the woods or why, uh, why the goats are doing this or where the clouds of smoke come from underneath town or why you're not supposed to go into the graveyard on certain holidays and, you know, just that kind of stuff that we're just supposed to be like, you know, well, it's just town tradition. We do this over here. And we just leave that area be. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm starting to sound like the people from Oleander.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of easy, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that's the 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 Don Knotts memorial um, because I I no nah, I'm not saying this, but you know that they said that in the '70s after that incident,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know Don Knotts didn't quite look the same, and that there was a left-handed Don Knotts impersonator. That apparently disappeared around the same time. Are you talking so, about uh,
0: non-dots?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, it, it's you know, the, the, it's it's a conspiracy theory. I you know, know that the, the, you know that they got him to, to to take over the role of Don Knots after he he disappeared in the, the team's uh, team sleuth
0: debacle. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy stuff. But yeah, no. Um, so i I've. I've uh caught up on my mayors and i now know that uh our current mayor is a uh, uh skydiving uh skydiving enthusiast and uh, the yes, mayor and uh he's out there every saturday yeah yeah no i i'm 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 not i'm i'm, I'm not up for that you know I'll, I'll go get his mail i'll go pick up his cigarettes you know i'll uh i'll yeah. go run errands for him but i'm not gonna jump out of some plane I'm good. Yeah, that's probably the best. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're gonna play that tape that you sent me. Uh, Then we're going to break for station identification, and then we're gonna go have some D and D on D and D. We're gonna talk about uh, some town building. Now that we've been talking about mayors, we're gonna talk about city planning. Maybe uh, how do you? We're gonna talk about how you build a town, Dave, and uh, maybe talk about how I build a town. Sounds good. Yeah, no, and then uh, I'm going to make a beer, and then it's going to be the end of the show. So, all right, let's get going on this. Sounds good. All right, here's that tape.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Farmer Dave, and I'm talking to you on Radio Free Oleander uh this is uh 11 on the am dial if you are listening in the oregon triangle area which is basically uh northern clackamas county so uh, you just heard there a couple of our goats uh i am in the field literally in the goat field and we are doing a live broadcast well not live i mean This is a recording, but it's a recording out of the uh, Radio Free Oleander and KZOM studios. And we are here at my goat farm, which is named after the man who basically I inherited from. Uh, This is the Uncle Owen Goat Farm here in Oleander, Oregon. And there you just heard... This is the prize-winning, the sash and tiara-winning, twin goats, Sonia and Solomon. Yeah, they're still upset about not having their uh, their tiaras. And here's a, a couple of the uh, birds of oleander. These are chickens. They Transylvania naked necks. Um, again. By all means, Google them, but make sure you put the word chicken afterwards uh, so that you can't see things that you can't unsee. Uh, But yeah, these are the uh, bird, official bird of Oleander. We've got quite a few here at the farm. And uh, we're just out here in the pasture. uh, And this is, um, like I said, we let the chickens sort of free range here. Uh, and this, you can't see this if you're listening on the radio or the internet, but this is a small green building that looks like a barn with only three walls. And this is a, a loafing shed. This is where the goats sleep at night, uh, as well as is a place for them to to, to hang out if it gets too hot. Uh, There's their water, their food's here. Now, we've got three pastures here we have this is for the, the mamas which are the, the milkers uh, these are the the goats that produce the, the milk that we use to make the, the cheese here and then the pasture next to here this is for weather. these are our neutered males which we use mainly for brush clearing and then the far past pasture is for uh, for the, the the daddy goats the uh, the uh, viable males that we use because you know, if we're gonna have milk each year, we have to have baby goats. Um, and there's a uh, loafing shed for each of the uh, oh, yeah, no, uh, I was saying there's a, a loafing shed each of the pastures. Uh, Something sort of kind of spooked uh, Solomon and uh, Sonia here. Um, yeah, yeah, they're kind of. So, Solomon and Sonia, they, they can walk through walls if you haven't been listening to this uh, program before. Listen to me talk about it. Uh, so, they're kind of hard to keep out. If you can walk through a fence and it's kind of hard to keep them out, what's, what's going on? What's, hey, okay, I'm, I'm looking out over the pasture and there's this I don't know what it is. What? Uh, it, there's this huge. Like it's almost like this green, like almost tidal wave of, of vegetation. It, it looks like, man, it looks like we cleared out all the, we called, cleared out all the blackberry bushes. But it looks like this huge giant wall of blackberry bushes walking over. It, it, it's headed right, right towards the the, the male goats. And it, I, I, I don't know what it is. I can see teeth, and it's. It's just—it's lasers. They're like popping up all over. That giant wall of plants—it just is ashes now. It's just the whole whole fields—it's—it's it's, it's covered by ashes. I—I I don't know what's going on. Okay, hey, hey guys, uh, this is Dave again. Listen, uh, uh, these giant plant things just attacked the farm. Uh, I'm. I'm in the underground, uh, secret Illuminati base that's, uh, underneath my, uh, my farm, and, uh, I think I found the controls here. There seems to be these crystals that seem to be powering the the, the lasers, but, uh, they're all blackened and cracked and and, and smoldering, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what attacked the farm, but, uh looks like uh, my primary defense is now just out of work uh, or out of commission. Um, Well, hey, um, uh, we'll get back to the loafing sheds later, but uh, we're going to find out what's going on with these giant plants.
0: You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. d and I'm Dave, and this is DB.
1: Or the other way around.
0: Or the other way clear. around. That's the other way around. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about uh, city planning, city structures. How do you how do you uh, build a city and all that kind of fun stuff? And I don't know. It's it's less like this is how you do it, but more of like this is my method. So.
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, two things when I was like a young young. DM like 13 or 14, Uh two things really influenced me. Sure. And one is, I think it's Module B2 Keep on the Borderland. Ooh. You know, it's got that that little, that little, keep, it's a town like, you know, and at a bank and at a cleric with a mystery. Uh huh. And, 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 You know, because that was really, I mean, so I got, I didn't get the white box. I was the generation after that. I was the blue box with the dragon. And, you know, it gave you with chets that you cut out and you pull out, didn't come with dice. uh, But the rules came with the, you know, the blue book rules and that module. And so that, in a lot of ways, was my kind of sort of. You know, it was locked in. This is this is what a and D city's like. Uh-huh. And then there was on a Dragon magazine a, a couple years later, there was this contest where you make your own module,
0: uh-huh.
1: and people and the guy who won did this big. And the city was I would describe it uh, as more like a Renaissance city. You know, it had sewers and stuff, uh, and it was really advanced and it was really good hand drawn maps. So those were the two things that sort of, I started basing cities
0: on. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I uh... ooh, my, my, my uh, D&D history pretty much goes back to like, uh, me and a kid down the street, like got our hands on a bunch of like D&D modules. We didn't even get like rule books or anything like that. And we kind of like tried to figure out the rules based off of all the things that were referenced in D and D, like, oh, this is this, and we have to roll dice. And it's like we didn't have charts or anything like that. We just try to figure out like. what what kind of dice to use and like we didn't understand that there was character creation we just knew that you had characters and they went through this stuff and it's like well what's this mean oh I don't know what this means and it's like well there's a character sheet here that says this 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 and this and it's like well this guy has this and this guy has this and a dwarf seems to have this and we kind of roughly kind of sketched out that kind of stuff and
1: uh, reverse engineered it?
0: We reverse engineered Dungeons and Dragons and kind of like made our own uh, player's handbook and treated the modules like their own like weird dungeon master guide (laughs) and monster manual uh, because a lot of those had like the monsters in the back that were like for that specific adventure and uh, the first one that I really remember kind of being like oh this is how you build like a structure or a power structure was A2, uh, I think it was uh, Attack on the Slaver's Guild, or uh, Escape from the Slaver's Keep, or something like that. And it had, like, an old fort on top, and then a subterranean cavern system, and... Oh man, I was like, this is cool, and I ran that so many different times for so many different things, and just switched it around and changed around who the bad guys were, and like maybe like, oh, this is five years later, and this is the group of uh, brigands that have moved in here, and they don't even know about the cavern system, but you guys came here when you were fifth level, so, you know stuff like that and I don't know I, I kind of really start out a lot with like kind of like fortress town building and then got into like uh, Looking how like Roman towns were built and kind of like I don't know really kind of went off of like uh, Like what if like Roman cities like continued into the Middle Ages what they would have like been like, like you know, with uh, technology and whatnot of uh, Roman cities, but, I don't know, like, Renaissance technology, like, how would that look and, like, uh, that kind of structure be and things like Mm. that is what I'd bring into my D&D game. Well, you kind of get
1: that in uh, Renaissance London.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Or
1: Renaissance Rome.
0: Yeah, no, no, and those are uh, really good examples of, like, really big city building, and it's like, well, how do you do a small version of that? and i found that like a lot of kind of like fortress towns and such were like yeah no it's like old roman fortifications that then became like little towns and uh just like national uh bleh, nat that uh nat geo <laughs> yeah <clears throat> And, like, uh, I don't know, looking at ruins and, like, recreations of ruins and stuff like that, I'd be like, okay, I understand that. It's like you have, like, you store this here and you have this here and you do this here. And I don't know. It's just, like... I really loved using historic examples for my towns, and I don't know, I kind of went way too into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I've always, you know, there has to be a reason. I mean, yeah, it's a fantasy; it doesn't sure. have to
0: have a reason. But yeah. for
1: me, the city had to have a reason. Sure. And, you know, and cities historically, the reason they exist is because there's water. Yep. And food. Yeah. So, so, you know. Most of my cities are gonna be built on a river or a
0: lake. Yeah. Or or on the coast. Oh yeah. And no, most of my cities Oh yeah yeah no historically true that's definitely it like most of my cities uh, exist around oasis even small towns ex- uh, uh, like river deltas oasises, uh coastal ranges yeah <laughs> with a lot of like uh materials around like uh, mineral wealth or uh, lumber or uh, any other stuff you'd need for settlers of Catan. <laughs> sure
1: and, and if you've got if you've got lakes or if you've got rivers, mm-hmm. then you've got navigatable waterways. Yeah. Maybe. And if you got navigatable waterways, you got docks. And if you got docks, you got a bad side of town.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was going to also say, if you have water, you have access for uh, outside uh, forces of bad, like maybe water monsters of some sort, uh, maybe brigands, pirates, whatnot. uh yeah, no, that's, that's one kind of thing that you can always do with uh, towns. Uh, if, if it's like need to shake it up, uh, besides natural disasters. I don't know. What, what, what kind of things do... Uh, and, and oh, sorry. I would say the other thing that, that
1: a town needs, you know, it's got water, mm-hmm. it's got to have enough food, yeah. somehow. Hunting, crops, whatever, mm-hmm. to provide to the people. Sure. And a lot of times what I would do is you've got the walled city and then you've got you know the peasants living out outside the walled city mm-hmm. with the crops and you know um, the animals and then if the invaders come the orcs or the barbarians come they take what they can and they can move inside the city sure
0: Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's 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 a that's a that's a great way to uh, great way to do a city, in uh, my opinion, a great way to do a town to have like the fortress structure, or like the uh, castle structure, for like I don't know. I I, I guess it, I, it depends on like how many. Uh, for every 50 people, make it just a little bit bigger, and then for every 100 people, change the material <laughs> slightly to the point of like, well, it's magical lead. <laughs> because we're two million wizards living in this wizard city <laughs> yeah.
1: but, and, and, and that's true you're gonna have you're gonna have an elite you're gonna have nobles you know the wizard, the cleric and that's usually I figure maybe it's because it's the part that interests me but usually the first section after I do other uh, like maybe a docs sure is I tend to have a a um, a religious area a place zone where you can put all the temples and the the shrines uh-huh,
0: uh-huh.
1: and again this is just me but i tend to put them together in a section of town huh okay i like that oh, love... and, oh, um, and, and i and i could be wrong but i don't think that's too incorrect with no. roman or egyptian cities
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no i i'll generally put them on like a main strip or something like that. I I generally won't put them too close together because, I don't know, I... I, Infighting? Infighting, for one thing, yeah, and just like, yeah, maybe... Maybe the uh, temple of Tempest shouldn't be close to this other temple, or
1: <laughs> and, and, and that could actually sort of make you know, you know, you could go go rob the, the the holy cistern of you know whatever church you're paid off by a cleric or something, mm-hmm. but but I also figure that it's usually going to be one pantheon, yeah, but. Like, one city I have, it's called Crossroads. Sure. And it's literally the crossroads of the two major trade routes. Okay. And, And so that's why this sort of, you know, this sort of hub city built around it. But, so, um, you know, and I think I used mainly like the Phaeron deity, Mm -hmm. but because it led off to sort of my version of Egypt, they had an Egypt section there that was sort of the, you know, the exotic churches, and usually whatever alignment that, you know, the government wants to pull off. Those are the churches that are allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not necessarily lawful good, but you know, they want to be neutral good or neutral lawful. You know, the basically, lack of a better words, the good churches are allowed. And the bad churches or the really exotic churches are underground in okay. some way. Yeah. And not necessarily sometimes literally underground, but sometimes just, you know, in people's houses and Or Uh,
0: shop basement, warehouses. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, I I, I tend to use historical references and end up with the same thing myself. Yeah, no, I I, I like to figure out the uh, religious centers and figure out whether, you know, figure out the main roads, the places where people are gonna shop and like uh, districts. Is it gonna have a big market? Is the market gonna be right by the water? Is you know how far in from what's gonna be what? Is it going to be a crime city? Is it going to be, have a, like a mayor who's like, oh, you guys gotta, you gotta, gotta, can't wear shoes on the streets and no one can chew gum and, or, you know, who, who you're, it's a military and, town. Or. Yeah. And, and, you know, are
1: you going to, how about the different races? Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Are, are they going to have, you know, the the, 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 the Hobbit Enclave or, you know, Gnome Town or, you know, the, the, the area where, you know, the half-orcs all live.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like, I don't know, ancient Roman towns have their sections where people <laughs> lived. And ancient, uh, not. Uh, I don't know, I guess ancient London, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, yeah, so, uh, you, you know, that way you're, you're dividing towns. You know, not that I think in real life it's a good thing, but, you know, in fantasy campaign, yeah, you know, you're dividing economics, but you're also dividing it by races.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and, I mean, we have, like, real-life examples of that, everything from, like, New York to, like, I mean, any, any massive yeah. major metropolitan area historically has had that happen.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, and, like, maybe, you know, a... Uh, an, enc- an elven enclave, but it's like a, it's like an embassy from you know, the elven empire.
0: Yeah, yeah, or, or it, like something that existed long before that a city built around it. This just happens to be like the oldest tree ever. And yeah, there's some elves that live up, and there are a bunch of elves that live up in there, or something like that. But it's like mostly uh, human and uh, half elven settlement or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've done stuff like that <laughs> Yeah, no, something else I always really like uh, figuring out is, like, does this place have, like, a big sewer system? Does the sewer system connect to caverns? Is, is there any dungeons nearby? How far away is the nearest dungeon? And, you know, if you go in the tavern, is it something that the people in the tavern are like, oh, man, we send people out there all the time, and no one ever comes back? Or, like, yeah, no, it's dumb. Don't ever go out there.
1: Or, or, or catacombs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is there catacombs underneath the religious centers? Do they connect? Is there a deeper secret? Is there some sort of plot hook with the religious sites?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I haven't done, but one I've always been sort of interested in. And I forget, but there's this huge, you know, underground city in Turkey. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about it. Oh, um, uh,
0: Göbekli Tepe.
1: Yeah, something like the that. The huge, huge religious
0: so, site that dates back to like ten something BCE. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so so why why can't i mean why can't you have an underground city
0: oh yeah no no you know, reason your why.
1: city your city is literally a dungeon yeah 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 you know especially where you got dwarves and gnomes and
0: yeah yeah i i don't think i've really done too much with like underground cities i've always done something like uh one thing i kind of really like to do is like the city built on the city built on the city like the third sure. or fourth civilization kind of like or uh, major civilization kind of like built on top of each other kind of like like, like troy or i was going to say mexico city
1: <laughs> yeah that's it okay
0: <laughs> but yeah no just like a, a, a lot of like ancient cities just like layered upon layer upon layer and you go into someone's basement and you can go down into like an old sewer system and the old sewer system leads to like old temples and <laughs> kind of like strata of civilization down to like really 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 old stuff and maybe really really old scary spooky things yeah
1: and i was thinking too if you did like an underground city Mm -hmm. you know that could be your urban environment and sort of mix it up and so instead of going from an urban environment you know to the dungeons you go from the dungeon to the forest and you have all your adventures on top side
0: oh yeah that'd be interesting
1: it doesn't necessarily have to be under dark. It's just you know, it, it's there's there's winds out there. There's scary monsters. There's there's you know bears. Why would you want to be out there? You know? <laughs> there's underground rivers here that you know.
0: Sounds like uh, sounds like a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leaving the safety of the vault to uh, go explore the wasteland above.
1: I- I- exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah! Wow! Yeah! No, you could do all kinds of stuff with the city. It sounds like.
1: Well, and I think, to some extent, I think, and part of this is, because of I think, the type of modules that were first came out. Uh huh. The 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 city adventure was neglected for a long time. Yeah. You know, and there's, so there's a lot of city stuff that you could do because you've got lots of beings there but it it was so that like the first 20 or so modules were almost all you know dungeon
0: crawls yeah
1: so i think a lot a lot of early dd players just didn't were were raised on the that's what an inventor is it's a dungeon crawl Mm -hmm. but now you've got all these different software to make maps and ends and stuff, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know a, a crawl. You could do a completely urban adventure. Oh yeah, no, I mean a cam- an urban nice. campaign.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite completely, or one that you can do completely urban is like plainscape, like the. Uh, City of Sigil is just like a giant big adventure that you can just go on. I mean uh or what what is it? Uh Waterdeep? what
1: waterdeep? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things out for different systems Mar. Uh, exactly. Uh Fritz Lever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's like uh, like D&D specific like uh, let's see Waterdeep I mean, there's there's like several uh, man I, I remember like uh, what was it Dark Sun had some stuff that you could just like just be in the cities and never leave out into the silt sea or like get roasted by the twin suns and you had psionics and magic didn't work because the gods were dead and it was a desert and you fought everyone with bone and obsidian and wood oh man it was i don't know if you ever played dark (laughs) sons i I was familiar i've never played it yeah uh, yeah i played the uh uh the computer game and then convinced my uh friends to like play the uh role-playing game and we played the role-playing game and we're like wow you have to create four characters when you play this because they will die
1: <laughs> they die quickly
0: oh yeah no you just like just lose people left and right because it's just so brutal it's like wow this is like hardcore DD it was like a second edition i don't know i liked it yeah. maybe we didn't play it right we were middle schoolers it was it was fun stuff though yeah. i really like the rpgs if you can go out there and find the uh, computer game uh, dark suns the second one i think it is was really really good i don't remember the names of them but they were they were really good like uh isometric uh, rpgs for the uh ibm and ibm clones pcs i guess we nowadays say yeah. <laughs> but yeah no fun stuff fun stuff uh anything else you want to say about cities there dave
1: so, I, I think the other thing, the, the one thing, sort of, cities are really. I mean, you can be a fighter anywhere. Oh, yeah. Same thing, a cleric. and uh, the, the problem, if you have a city focused campaign, uh-huh. is you're kind of limiting your druids, your, your uh, uh, rangers. rangers, and your barbarians. Oh, yeah. Which are some of the more um, less used classes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But especially you know you can focus i mean you could do an entire campaign now in 5e yeah you could have six characters and once they hit third level they could all be rogues yeah but you know you go a different way you know one goes uh, uh a swashbuckler one goes an arcane rogue you know one goes an, an assassin uh-huh. or, you know so you could do a rogue camp city campaign yeah you know that actually sounds sort of sort of cool. You know, start them all at third level so they're different. Yeah. And then yeah, just do a an entire city campaign um, for rogues, and they'd be different enough that the characters wouldn't necessarily be carbon copies, as, as long as you know you've got relatively creative players.
0: And my my thought my thought kind of goes the opposite direction. What if what if you go with the uh party of all barbarians and you put them like force them to be in a major metropolitan area and be like all right four barbarians loose in uh water deep here you go <laughs> that, that might be more of a one shot yeah yeah no 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 definitely kind of like all right you guys we're gonna have some fun with this uh you guys were caught by slavers you broke your way out and you find yourself in a totally different country when you come to <laughs> here you go <laughs>
1: You know, some of the best best Robert E. Howard stories, you know, Conan was in cities.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, it's... uh... Cities in Conan are, are kind of a little bit different uh, than what we're talking about like right right now, maybe, I think. I don't know. Fantasy cities are fantasy cities. Depends on the city, I
1: guess. Although I, I was actually having this discussion with a friend who is an archaeologist. Sure. And a big movie buff. Mm-hmm. And he says he loves that scene in Conan where they get into the city. And he goes, this stinks. How can you guys damn, the smell of being in a city. <laughs> and he said, that's what Bronze Age city smelled like. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, that there was all this, this you know, sewer and pollution and human sweat. It goes exactly, he said, you know, that captures the spirit of a Bronze Age city.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, and uh, maybe your fantasy city stinks. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: historically, they stuck.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's like, one thing I, I said before is, like, figuring out, like, your utilities. Like, does your city have, like, some sort of rudimentary power system? Does it have, like, a sewage system that you can explore? Does your city stink? Does it have, like, this? gutters that everyone just dumps their trash into.
1: They capture a bunch of fire methods and put them in cages on a pole and have uh, uh, you know uh, lights.
0: And city incinerators. (laughs) They
1: have uh, you know the the uh... Oh, the 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 monstrous gelatins is where all the waste goes in.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Have gelatinous cubes for. uh, Yeah, that's it. For waste management. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, everyone needs to stay off of the uh, six foot by six foot uh, street sections from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. because we're gonna have a gelatinous cube cleaning the streets. Everyone, take your bikes. Don't leave your shoes on your front steps. Gelatinous cube from 10 to 12. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, everyone. I think we covered cities. Cities. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about towns and cities some other time if people have questions and if you want to write in, but yeah, no. And if you want to write in, you can check us out on Facebook. We are KZOM, 1130 AM, Oleander, Oregon. That's the name of our Facebook group, so no one else thinks that we're some other radio station. And, yeah, you can ask us questions about d Oleander, or anything else like that. Uh, up next, we've got a section where I'm going to teach you how to make Oktoberfest-style beer. So stay tuned for that. And up next, uh, after, uh, after this, I believe it is a movie with the mayor. And I think the mayor's talking about the uh, 1980-something classic RoboCop. So, uh, directed by something Van something something. And that'll be up after Radio Free Oleander. So, starring
1: Buckaroo Banzai himself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also um, uh, Leland Palmer and the dad from that 70s show. 70s
1: show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. All right. Yep. So, then uh, put in my segment and. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to Radio Free Oleander and putting up with our nonsense. And someone said, hey, how come it's only you two guys? How can we never hear anyone else from Oleander? It's a town of uh, a thousand people. We're the only people who are willing to do this show for free for no money.
1: (laughs) That's why they call it Radio Free Oleander. (laughs) We don't get
0: paid. We don't get paid. And uh, if you do want to help out, you can uh, check the show notes, and there's links to the store, pgttcm.com. And again, you can check us out on Facebook, and uh, you can check out pgttcm on Facebook. It's on Twitter as well, and uh, we've got Radio Free Oleander on Instagram maybe. I don't know. I, I, I can never remember where we're at on social media. I think we're kind of bad at social media.
1: I I think that we do, and I think the problem is that I'm in charge at it, and uh, I'm worse. So yes, there is a there is a radio free oleander Instagram account, but I have not looked at it in a couple weeks, so maybe I should go fix it. Well, we've been talking. We have been kind of busy lately.
0: (laughs) As we talked about in the last episode, we have been kind of busy lately. Yes, we have. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Dave, hope you're doing well in your neck of the woods. I'm doing pretty well in my neck of the woods. Is there anything that you've been watching IRL that you've been enjoying TV-wise?
1: So uh, so I'm actually um, – I got HBO finally because I wanted to watch – Lovecraft Country. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I just love the book. Sure. But I've been really getting into um, Westworld. And I love, in fact, I got to talk about it. Uh, I love um, the old Brenner movie, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, C- Crichton wrote it. It's sure. Westworld, the, the 70s movie, is the first movie. They don't use the term, but it's the first movie that has a computer virus in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I've been really getting into the the HBO um, Westworld, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're gonna hate, you're gonna hate season three because you know." And, and yeah, it's a completely different series. Sure. But it, it's so it's so cyberpunk. I love it.
0: Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, season three at all. I, I watched season two, and then I didn't have access to HBO. But I have HBO again to watch Lovecraft Country. <laughs> and... Uh, I've I've really I, I, honestly I've been watching HBO and playing video games, but uh, HBO and uh, been watching The Vow, which is about the Nexium cult. Oh okay. And that's that's the one where they were branding women and like. It's... I love
1: I, I, I love Chloe.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: I, I, she got she, she got caught up in that cult just.
0: Oh I don't know hard. who that is.
1: Oh, the, the, the blonde from um, uh, Smallville.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, no, I... Oh,
1: I, did I just spoil it for you?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I know that there's famous people, but I don't know what they're famous for. It's just like, oh yeah, this lady's famous from Battlestar Galactica, and this lady's famous from Smallville. And it's like, I don't remember who's famous yeah, for what. Yeah, so
1: the, the, the cute blonde from Smallville, she became like number two.
0: Oh yeah, no, I never watched Smallville, but yeah. <laughs> it's like someone said, what? I, I, I don't remember what years it was on, but it was just like it, it wasn't like something that I had access to because I didn't have cable or as a night at work, but yeah. Sweet. And yeah. Also, uh, the other thing that I've really been enjoying is uh, McMillions, which is about the uh, people who uh, ripped off McDonald's for like the Monopoly money and like find the gray m M&M for Mars, and just like this weird, weird like true crime story of just deception. Oh, check that one out. Oh yeah, it's it's just like every time it's it's not quite like. Tiger King weird, it's like on a different level of weird, but it's it's sure. like, oh man, this is, this is, this is just keeps getting weirder and stranger, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting it, yeah. stuff.
1: Way back when it happened, uh-huh. you know, and, and they mailed in that million dollar piece to like the hospital, uh-huh. my mom looked at that in the newspaper and said, that's fake. She yeah. just knew it just by reading the, 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 the newspaper she goes, that was set up. That was
0: rigged. Oh I yeah. Goes, no, it
1: wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah no, I remember people being like, oh yeah no, McDonald's did that for press. <laughs> but yeah no, and and they go into like the people that did it and the FBI sting and it's it's really really kind of, I don't know, it's it's not the most. It's, it's told really well, and the reenactments are really uh, interesting, but it's not, like, the grisliest thing, or it's not, like, the strangest, but it's, like, oh, wow, I remember that. I remember being, like, yeah. excited and, like, arguing with my siblings about, like, no, I'm going to get the game piece and, like, what we're going to do with the money and stuff like that. And, you know, argue. Getting into huge arguments about what's going to happen with the money, and then like realizing years later it's like, oh man, I could have just like enjoyed my summer instead of being <laughs> mad at my brother.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or, or mad that the the, the free Big Mac said on your next visit you couldn't use it then and get a second Big Mac.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> But yeah, no, that's that's what I've been watching, but. Uh hey everyone uh just just uh before we uh, sign off just just a reminder be safe be clean don't be a jerk and uh have a good one bye all right there we go hey everyone good news bad news good news is we will be having a segment where i talk about beer bad news is it won't be October Fest beer like I was planning on doing, and the timing is right, this is another good news, for uh, another beer that I was working on down in the basement uh, to, uh, to show and uh, let, let you know. I, I, I recorded the process, and I was going to play it next week for uh, October, because it's kind of a spooky beer, but hey... um. Yeah, no, we'll 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 do it right now. This is uh, this is my uh black black beer that I I, I make my uh, spooky black beer. This is like like the studio beer. This is what guests drink in the studio. This is like my my spooky beer. I mean, I I give it to panels, and when I'm on panels, anyone who drinks beer is welcome to a bottle of my spooky beer. So. It's, it's, it's my black ale, and this is how I make my black ale, and uh, we're, we're going to go into that right now. So here's me uh, recording the process from cooking to kegging, to, and, and, and we're going to actually open some up in a bit. So oh, I'm not going to drink very much because I am recording at 5.42 a.m. on the wire, I wasn't able to do the kegging stuff, or uh, able to do the uh, Oktoberfest stuff. Uh, My my grains didn't show up, and some of my malts didn't show up, and I just had hops and yeast. And that does not make for a great beer. (laughs) So, uh, here we go with the uh, dark ale. Here we go. Check, check, check! Hey everybody, it's me, DB, we're down in the basement making beer. So hey, this is the cool, cool new basement we have in Oleander, Oregon. It is really cool. We've got the loom set up down here. We have all of my woodworking tools, and they're not my woodworking tools, but I use them and put them away most of the time, and just tools in general. It's really nice. It's where we keep all that kind of stuff, power washer. There's a bathroom down here, and we've got a second stove and the washer and dryer, and, you know, we're fancy because we've got a second refrigerator down in the basement. This episode is not sponsored by LaCroix. It's just what was on sale at the A1. A1 Taxidermy and Grocery. Taxidermy and Grocery. We're A1. And then I got 5% on my next groceries. Everyone, so um, I've been bottling uh, the last beer down here, which is the Gnomish uh, Barbarian, which is a... Uh, Bavarian, uh, grain, uh, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's, sorry, uh, it's a Bavarian style beer using, uh, uh, Belgian gnome yeast, so I called it Barbarian Gnome. Anyway, um, I, just bottled that so it's really good it's got a nice fruity light characteristic to it and kind of a weird peaty peaty dankness to it i don't know how to really describe it but it's a a weirdly unbalanced beer that i'm gonna let age for a while and see how it is in i don't know december of 2020 so yeah, we're going to have the Gnomish Barbarian December 2020. And right now we are going to be starting and uh, working on the uh, Black Ale for the studio. So let's get started with the Black Ale first. caroossus I don't know. It uh, starts with the CAR3 and I uh, take it and I run it through a mill and uh, until it's like kind of like um, really 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 rough coffee ground ground okay. And then I get just red ale uh, red ale uh, syrup, about six pounds of it. And then I get, uh, like, a uh, British ale, uh, ale yeast. Uh, I use dry. I use dry. I mean, I've used live yeasts in the past, but, oh, man, I'm so afraid I'm going to mess those guys up. And I have so much sympathy for live yeasts, and I'm just worried about them and whether or not they're alive still. And it's like, oh, it's a slam packet. And then I'm like, Ugh. But I don't know, dry yeast, I just think of that stuff like sea monkeys. I'm like, it's just a dehydrated animal. I don't care about that. I mean, they serve their purpose. Duty to you, dry yeast, I salute you. And I don't know, I just have too much sympathy for, uh, for, uh, living yeast. But then again, I was a kid who cried at rodeos, so, you know. Uh, uh, anyway, back to beer. All right, here we go. Uh, so... Um, and uh, then I have some uh, local—not local, but up north, uh, Washington. Uh, uh, Yakima, Yakima brand, uh, Warrior Blend uh, hops, fourteen point two percent alpha T V R five. I I can't remember, but it's 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 going to give me a nice fruity citrusiness. So we're going for, like, kind of a, uh, with, uh, <clears throat> kind of like, almost like a burnt, frozen blood with grassy, citrusy afternotes, if that makes sense. That's what the, uh, the black ale is supposed to taste like. Burnt, frozen blood with a grassy, citrusy overtones. It's, it's a recipe passed down from my, uh, Schwabian forefathers. So, all right. So, I'm going to turn off for the... We boiled the water. We added about two cups of corn syrup to the water before it started to boil, just so it get kind of a... I don't know. Let it, let it uh, get to a temperature real hot, real fast. And then I cool it down a little bit, and then I put in the grain, and I let the grain seep, and steep, and reap, and creep in its, uh, in its bucket, because Halloween, spooky spooky Halloween, um, Gnomish Barbarian is really good, so, then we let it seep, and, uh, at this point... I then start adding in the uh, what do you call it the uh, 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 the malt the liquid malt and uh, keeping it uh, at a pretty good like 153 degrees roughly I add the malt to it and let that malt malt it up and malt it down malt it all over malt town and it goes and it uh, dissolves into it and you put the lid back on turn it down a little bit lower let that go for about 10 to 15 minutes uh, it should be a little bit bubbly and foamy take that lid off don't even put that lid back on you gotta see what's going on you gotta uh, yeah no so keep that down low and if you're at home going that's not how you make beer that's not how you make beer that's not how i make beer that's how i make my beer this, this is this is a very very specific way that i make this beer So 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 what you do then is you you um you add half an ounce of your hops time travel. travel to do 15 minutes later add half an ounce of your hops. Do Half hour later, add an ounce of your hops. Turn all the heat off. Let it cool. Let it cool. Let it cool. Go to bed. Wake up. Turn the spigot on the bottom of your super cool filtered beer making bucket or pour out of the stock pot into uh a uh, sieve or a colander get the big chunks and then strain it again then strain it again then strain it again and then strain it to the point where it's like you're straining it through like pantyhose or a pop filter don't use your pop filter don't use pantyhose unless you want to you know don't wear them again uh, anyway, strain it, strain it, like, uh, I, I use a uh, jelly, a jelly bag, a bag for making jelly, like, getting all the seeds and stems out of your strawberries, and, um, then, so what you do is, you strain it, and you drain it, and then you put it in the, brain it, no, not a brain it, a bucket or into a carboy or whatever you let it get down to this yeast says about 85 degrees 95 degrees is too hot let it get down to about 85 degrees and you can use like i don't know a thermometer to like make sure that your uh, yeast isn't too hot or too cold and then you activate your yeast and then put it into your beer and you swirl it around swirl it around and let it get in but first you got to make sure that your beer is not too hot and this is why I let mine cool overnight and uh, if if your beer is a little bit a little bit a little bit too cold I add a little bit of hot water to it and then shake it up yeah you know you're gonna lose a little bit of alcohol that way and whatever it's not a big deal i mean you're not gonna lose alcohol go you're not gonna lose anything you're gonna gain yeast what am i talking about <sighs> anyway so maybe i'll cut that part out maybe i'll leave it in maybe i'll cut none of this out maybe i'll leave it in. anyway so um the thing is now you put a seal on like not like uh, the animal but like a uh a water seal and if you're getting beer equipment or if you have beer equipment or you know what beer equipment is you know what I'm talking about a water lock and you put that on you put your water in it and then you let it sit for for, four 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 about two weeks it's gonna bubble it's gonna bubble I put it in a place that's about like 65 degrees 70 degrees somewhere about that uh that stays about that temperature so like a hall closet is really awesome or if you have like a studio bedroom that's in the center of the house or like a closet that's in the center of the house like something that's always uh, gonna be seen. not, not something's on like the outside of the house and if you have like a super duper duper small house like me, I just put mine in the basement. Seriously, I have a basement that stays about 65 degrees. It's awesome for loggering in the winter when it's always like 55 degrees. Anyway, this basement is super rad. Uh, very much like my basement in Portland, which is roughly about the same uh, temperature wise as uh, oleander. Anyway, so this basement is awesome for curing and charcuterie and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, fermenting, uh, I make coles, not coleslaw, uh, sauerkraut and kimchi, and also uh, beer and uh, cider and hard cider, and whatnot. Anyway, so um, the uh, yeast is going to activate, and it's going to go for about, I'm going to say, two weeks, and uh, when it gets down to like bubbling going. When it gets to a point where it's like a boop every about 15 minutes that's when I call it good and that means at some point in time uh, later than sooner you're going to sit and watch a bubbler go bubble for 15 minutes so yeah uh, and uh, the super cool place that I let my beer ferment is in the unused shower in the bathroom downstairs that doesn't get used very often so yeah (laughs) um anyway the uh beer then will ferment for two weeks and at this point in time you can bottle it which i don't bottle beer anymore i ferment beer in a keg and then go for it like that and the um What I do is I add about two cups of uh, a uh, corn uh, sugar water blend to the uh, beer and let that go in the keg and that is about, um, that should be about like altogether, that is about, about six, six, six and an eighth, no, not even six and an eight, about six gallons, uh, stranded and whatnot. So if you're using a five gallon, uh, Cornelius cake, like I use, uh, you scale down the, uh, how much you pour into it. And then you scale down how much sugar and water you put into it so I put in probably about four and a half gallons and then just like I don't know a cup and a half cup and a quarter cup and a third of uh, corn sugar water combination and let that go for about two three weeks uh, yeah and if you're also got uh, like about a two month period of time in my opinion uh, to let your lager go from like a sulfury kind of skunkiness to a super nice kind of mellow clear, uh, super bright, super wonderful uh, Belgian, uh, uh, German style lager. So anyway, uh, enough beer talk from me. And uh, so in spooky spooky october we're going to open up the black ale and we're going to enjoy it so uh fast forward to spooky spooky october hey everyone it's me uh it's it's not spooky spooky october it's uh it's kind of sad september you know so hey uh we're, we're we're gonna try this beer in a few moments and uh yeah, I, I bottled just a little bit because I wanted to try it that way, but we did keg it, so hold on one moment. All right, here we go. No, that was not a tobacco water part. That was me moving it around in my mouth so I could taste all of it. Um, so, yeah, it tastes like um, really burnt blood that's been frozen grassy notes, and kind of like coppery, citrusy notes. Success, and it's only get better with age, so hey, um, I'm just gonna leave this over here, and, uh, yeah, I don't wanna repeat of the episode or the recording with the, uh, gnomish ale, hold on one moment, set this over here. So with the, what with the? One of those vines from outside is like going into my beer. One of those vines from outside is going into my beer. One of those vines from outside is going into my beer. No, this isn't a dramatic reading. I just don't really know how to. Okay. All right. Listeners, you won't believe what's happening. But the vine that has been taking over the town has reached down through my cellar window and into my dark ale and is starting to, how should I say, loosen up a bit. Not that alcohols made to loosen one up, but this this vine thing that has been taking over the town, we thought was just some sort of evasive uh, Horticulture that had taken over the town in some sort of weird way, some sort of oleander uh, plague of sorts. But no, 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 no—something quite different. It seems to be something, something that can move and contract back, and it's 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 forming a big wad, a big wad of tendrils and blackberryness, and 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 this. Must be part of what Dave was referring to as the Shrubgoth. Well, this is a different part of it, or this is a larger one. Breaking news The um, podcasting personality known as DB Spitzer has secured the vined creature known as the Shrub Golf, dubbed by Farmer Dave of Oleander, Oregon, and has successfully rehomed it in the abandoned town of Roanoke. The podcasting personality known as D.B. Spitzer has also uh, traded the goats of Farmer Dave's farm uh, from the last month episode where Goblins stole it, has traded it with the Rude Dude Hot Rod Squad of Roanoke, Oregon. Teenage Rebel Auto Supply and Wrecking Yard supplied a master cylinder for a 1954 Ford Falcon. Thank you, Teenage Rebels. We salute you. This episode was brought to you by Oblivion's family, grill, and pub. Irish and German this month. Normally just Irish. And the Gunrack. Watch self-proclaimed Thembo Chris, shake what they've got. Thick, up front and up back. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, no, that's... That was an ad copy. Yeah. I don't know. I... They paid money. I... I don't know. I I kind of oh, owed it. I talked crap about Bouncing Betty, okay? Yeah, all right. Okay. The Gun Rack. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Monday night, pants off, half off. Show up in just your underpants and get half off your drink. The Gun Rack. Radio Free Oleander is recorded in Portland, Oregon, and Estacada, Oregon. Thank you for listening and recorded in the studios of 1130 AM, KZOM. You know the quality when you hear the buzz. All right, thank you, thank you so much. You can follow us anywhere you do social media, like the Facebook or the Instagram or the Twitter, Uh, I think... I mean, as we talked about just a little bit ago, in the first fake ending, oh man, first fake ending, is that this show? You know, that's this show. First fake ending, Dave's on top of it, but I don't know if Farmer Dave's on top of it or if Real Dave's on top of it. There's so many levels to this show. I don't know when, what begins and what ends. Thank you again, and follow the show notes to help people where people need help. And if you, you have a suggestion of uh, people who need help or anything that needs to be done or anything you'd like to hear or any show suggestions or anything like that other than stop the pointless rambling, then hey, we're here for you. Thank you for listening again. We do free Oleander. Be cool. Be rad. Don't be mad. Wash your face. Wash your hands. Then you do a little dance. I don't know. Uh, Keep clean. Keep safe. Don't be a jerk. Help people who need help. And thank you for listening. Tell people about us if you want. I don't know. Maybe you just want to listen to this by yourself. All right. Take care.